Good morning to all of you, and I greet you this morning in the name of Christ. Hopefully you're rejoicing this morning. Um, I was hearing a, a brother share on Philippians 4, and he was saying, Rejoice in the Lord. And all of us say, Yeah, but do you know what I'm going through? But the next word is always. And then let me repeat that. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for as Christians. Sometimes we focus on funerals and all the things that went wrong and could have went wrong. And I think there's something greater that we can testify of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And I think Philippians was trying to bring that out for us. Rejoice. Um, don't be morbid. And don't look at the gloomy side, thinking that we're more spiritual now. It actually distracts from the message of the gospel of good news. You can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24 for a message today. But our text is taken from Philippians chapter 2 verse 16. It's a lot like the song Dan led, Forth in thy name, O Lord. The text for the message today is holding the forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. How many of you have ever done a mile run? I see your hand. Yeah, quite a few. Any five mile runs, like the 5K? Or I should say 5K, not five mile. Yeah, a couple. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I think of long distance running, but I do think, well, I will. I think it's a form of insanity. <laughs> 490 years B.C., Greece was in a battle with their mortal enemy, Persia. The battle was extremely important to the Grecian hierarchy. It was being fought in Marathon, Greece. And if Greece lost this battle, the Persians' next stop was going to be Athens, Greece. They were coming for the assembly or the hierarchy of Greece. So this is a very important battle. A man named Philippides. Now that's a, a good name. If you don't start it right, it's kind of hard to get the role. A man named Philippides was present between the conflict in Greece against Persia. Philippides was given charge to be the courier or the messenger back to the assembly in Athens, Greece. And the news was so important. Everybody's life and future rested on if they win or if they lose. They lose, it's time to scram. Because then the Persians are only 26 miles away. If they win, um, they can celebrate like they've never celebrated before. The battle was won by Greece. Philippides was sent with a message from Marathon, Greece to Athens, which was a distance of 26.2 miles. He was sent to deliver the message and he ran all 26 miles without stopping. He burst into the assembly and he yelled one word. Now, I can't speak Greek, but he yelled one word. And the word means, we have won. And he fell over dead. I mean, he was done. He was, life was over with him. Dead on the spot. Now, evidently, there were people watching that that said, that looks like fun. Hence the creation of the marathon. And hence the distance, 26.2 miles. Like I say, I think it's a form of insanity. 
Every year, thousands of people mimic the run of Philippides, who did change his name to, uh, I'm not sure if I can, Phoebides. That's quite a name change. Take out the L. People mimic the run of Philippides. Every year, thousands of people do the same run, 26.2 miles. But they're just running. Like they don't have a message. If you would ask them as they run past you, do you have a message? You'd probably hear, water, water, or carbs, or I'm dying. Every year we have thousands of people change their whole lifestyle to run, and they're exerting themselves to exhaustion, and every year a few people die running a marathon. That's it's crazy. I have a friend, had a friend, I should say, John Anderson, um, an older, older native man. He passed away last year at the age of 82. And I believe he completed three Boston marathons. And after his last Boston marathon that he completed, he went out, I believe it was the following year or two years after, to watch the Boston Marathon. And he said he remembers sitting and standing at mile marker, it was right around 20 mile marker of the Boston Marathon. And his goal was to cheer people on because he said, you, you cannot imagine the exhaustion, the feeling of, I can't do this. And then somebody saying, go, go, you can do it. He said, you can't imagine the feeling that encouragement gives you. So he was going to do this at mile marker 20, one of the hardest spots to keep going. He said as people ran by, he was so gripped with emotion that he burst into tears that he couldn't even talk. He couldn't even yell, go, go, keep going. Because he knew the exact feeling that those runners were experiencing right now. It so gripped him, he, he could not even shout. He just wept. Because it's overwhelming when you think, I still have six miles to go. They all do that, but the sad part is, they're just running. That's all they're doing is running. They change their lifestyle. They change their diet. They change, they live a very disciplined life, but they're just running. An incredible living sacrifice, but they don't even have a message. And here, the Bible says in our text verse, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice, that I have not run in vain. Okay, I don't want to just run a marathon of the Christian life. Holding forth the word of life that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. As a Christian, we have a message. We're not just running and seeing how good we are at running. Now, our lives can so easily become that. I believe sometimes we get caught up in running the race and we forgot. We're like Philippides. We, we have... A message that we're called to deliver. It's going to cost us some running, but we're doing more than just running the Christian walk or walking the Christian walk. 
Philippides didn't have an empty fo- uh, focus. And I'm not here this morning to put you on the spot. I'm not here to say how many of you know our message and raise your hand if you do. I'm not here to put you on the spot. I am here to encourage us to say, don't just run. We have a message to proclaim. And what is that message? Can you imagine Philippides running exhausted into the Athens assembly, standing there momentarily and saying, I forgot what I was supposed to say. And falling over dead. Can you imagine him bursting into the assembly saying, now I'm not sure if I can put this into words. <laughs> no, he had a message. Uh, he'll find a word. He can do it in one word. And he screamed that word like the word victory and fell over dead. He wasn't running the whole way there saying, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to say this. Now, if they have questions for me, I don't know how I could answer all of them. He wasn't saying that on the run. Uh, he, he knew he had one job. He knew he had a message to deliver. Uh, that's up to the assembly to say, ah, I don't think so. You know, what would really happen? That's up to the assembly. He had one job. To run in there and say one word. We won. He had a message. Philippians chapter, sorry, Luke chapter 24 where you're at. After Jesus rose from the dead, this is right after the resurrection. This is right before He ascended into heaven. He gives the disciples a message. Verse 44. And then He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. So Jesus showed them the incredible victory won through his death and resurrection. He opened up the Scriptures and explained it to them. Verse 46, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is the message. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Those eleven disciples, apostles, left that upper room, and they were running a marathon of the Christian life. But it was more than just a marathon. It was more than just saying we're we're running like Jesus taught us to run. They went out from that upper room with a message. And what was the message? That repentance and remission of sins in Jesus' name is real. That's good news. That is really good news. You lose that message and we become a people who are just running a marathon. Looking at each other saying, well, you know, they're keeping up in their race. They're not slowing down. They're a consistent runner. Well, that's great. Do they got a message? If our lives stop proclaiming the message that their repentance and remission of sins in Jesus' name is a reality, we're insane. We're just running a marathon. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain. What is the message of life? 
Repentance and remission of sin is found in Jesus Christ. I need to hold that word of life forward by example, by word. I, I have to convey the message lest I have run in vain. In Wyalusing, Pennsylvania in 1771, there was a Native American Christian village. They called it the Peace Valley. These, these Native Americans were converted to Jesus Christ through the ministry of the Moravians. Speaking to a native who was much concerned about his soul, Chief Lapazinzo stated, It's very easy to gain a happy heart. As soon as you sincerely resolve to part with all sin and believe what is told you of our Savior Jesus Christ, for if you shall receive, sorry, and believe you, believe what is told you of our Savior Jesus Christ, for if you ask, you will receive. But we have natu- we are naturally averse to humility and prayer, and therefore receive nothing. I was so formerly, but have frequently heard from the brethren how happy a ransomed sinner is. I began to pray and persevered until our Savior granted me pardon and happiness. Now since I am baptized, I think I become happier every day. Yea, I sometimes feel as if I saw our Savior before my eyes, for I perceive His presence so sensibly that my heart is ready to leap for joy. That's quite an expression for a man who's just been a Christian for a really short amount of time. Quite an expression. I found absolute joy in Jesus Christ through repentance and remission of sins. For many years, this same chief... You couldn't count all the ways he would have been ungodly for years. Talk about years of habits. And yet when this man came through and embraced the good news of the message, Jesus Christ has come and there is repentance and remission of sins for any one of us. It brought something into his life that was so overwhelmingly joyful that he couldn't get over it. Um, Now, I wonder how good a book would be if you would give this chief, uh, Lapazinzo, if you would give him a book that says, these are the seven steps of how to have joy. Think it would do him any good? How about this one? Three steps on how to be an effective witness. I think we're already there. Well, you've only been a Christian for six months. Uh, what about the book Five Steps to Peace? We're there. But you're just a young Christian, like. But you know, Chief Chief Lapazinzo, he was running, and he had a message. He was holding forth the word of life. And so when you talk about joy, when you talk about peace, when you talk about being a witness for Jesus Christ, there was a reality in his life. He wasn't just running to impress people. He was running with a message. Hey, we have victory in Jesus Christ. And here's how you can find it, through repentance and remission of sins in His name. That's the message. As I consider this, 
There's some things that can distort our message, and more than distort, it can ruin our message. What is one thing that can distort our message of repentance and remission of sins in Jesus' name? I believe the one thing that distorts and even ruins the message is a focus on reputation. A focus on reputation. That will distort and ruin the message that repentance and remission of sins in Jesus' name is a reality. Are people seeing and understanding this message from us? Um, Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, The things which you learn and see in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he wasn't just teaching them a philosophy of how to live. He was saying, if you see it in me, do it. How do, do people see in us a reality of... You know, I see it in them. The repentance, remission of sins is found in Jesus Christ. Just just listen to Him talk. Um, our goal can become... This is what reputation does to us. We propagate the perception of our perfection. I had to, heard that from somebody else and I had to hear it again. We propagate the perception of our perfection. That's what we do when we're worried about reputation. We become a people not willing to confess, not willing to repent of needs in our life, and find cleansing in the name of Jesus Christ. Unwittingly, by doing so, we're propagating the perception of our perfection. If I would say, how many of you have needs in your life? It would be foolish not to raise your hand. And then if we would say, and how many of you are willing to repent on Wednesday night, confess and share those needs? I wonder how many hands would go back up. And what's our message? What is our message? Our message is, there is a reality of truth where there is repentance there is remission of sins in the name of Jesus Christ. But it is so easy, especially in a church setting, to promote the perception of our perfection. I want you to perceive that I got it all together. And honest seekers think, you know, I don't fit in here. Because I have struggles. Against sin. I need forgiveness. I need prayer. I'm, I'm a needy soul. And these people always got it together. People propagating the perception of their perfection. Making up a church. Uh, friends, it doesn't mean they're not running a race. They might keep running. And they might be better runners than they were before. In consistency. And, and um, learning how to run up grades. And down into valleys. And... But where's the message? That repentance and remission of sin is found in Jesus Christ. The sobering part for me is how easy it is for us in our setting to do that. Incredibly easy. I need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ because of sin that sneaks into my life. I wonder if you do. Anybody? 
And now, are we willing to hold forth the word of life? Without forgiveness of sins, we don't have life. There's no exception to that. Whether I've been a preacher for 12 years or 20 years or 100 years, if there's sin in my life that continues as sin, there's, there's, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. It doesn't matter what our last name is or what our job in the church has been. Without holiness, none of us will see the Lord. And so there's only one remedy, and that remedy should just tickle our hearts that we can about not stay in our seats. That because of Jesus Christ, through repentance and remission of sins, there is healing and there is hope. Praise the Lord for that. Most of us here will never be accused of outright flagrant sin. I, I don't know that anyone here would ever be accused of being a thief or a sexual pervert. Um, but you ever have a thought in your life you shouldn't think that way? Philippians 4.9 you ever have desires that you feed? you ever have a covetous type way of thinking? you ever start complaining mentally about your job or your wife or your husband? Mentally you're complaining. You know it wouldn't be nice to stand up in church and say, Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm sick and tired. Now, that would never work. So you just keep rolling it in here. And that's sin. These sins are in the same list as the ones that bring damnation as a thief or a sexual pervert or a numb-minded sinner. You can read it in Thessalonians and Romans, wherever you want to read that list of sins. Those sins are right included. And it behooves us that when I fail, when we fail, that we live in the message of repentance and remission of sin in the name of Jesus Christ. A lot of people observing us individually might not get that message. Holding forth the word of life. It's not holding forth on how good I run or how far I've run. It's holding forth that message, the word of life. A church that is promoting this message. The battle is won. That's why I can come in repentance and find remission. Because the battle is won. A church promoting that message. I tell you, there's something that is so encouraging in that message. And I'm not talking about, let's just all, you know, if you didn't have something to repent of, then, oh, you know, it's just no good. You've got to come up with something every week. I'm not talking about that. But there's things that come in our lives, and we know they come into our lives, and we feel so handicapped in sharing what's real in our lives. And what does James say? James says this same concept. Confess your faults one to another. There's Repentance. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. There's remission. When someone is in remission of cancer or remission of a sickness, it means there's healing in their life. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. Uh, there's a healing power in a congregation in this. Um, for too many congregations, it's easier for people to discuss others' problems than their own. 
others' failures than their own. Some people I have never heard confess anything. Never. Are they promoting the perception of perfection? Here's a thought. Would you be willing to kill the idea of others perceiving you as reaching perfection? Willing to hunt down the idea and shoot it. Kill it. So that Jesus could be lifted up and that our message is there for others to see. Are you willing to hunt that idea down and get rid of it? If others never hear me confess and claim the need for remission in the name of Christ recently, then it's up to them to think whatever they want, right? If they think that I'm more perfect than I actually am, actually no. It's up to you. What kind of message are we holding forth? George Mueller was accused of being a little bit too perfect. Um, I appreciate his two responses. Um, I don't know the man's whole life, and we could sit here and dissect this and that right and wrong about him. I'm impressed with him as a man of faith. Great man of faith. He was told at the end of his life, heaven is going to have quite a welcome for the likes of George Mueller. Thank you, sir. I've had good opportunities to be able to teach others and to bless other children, young people. And I just feel so grateful for... No, that's actually not George Mueller. Heaven is going to have quite a welcome for the likes of George Mueller. George Mueller didn't hesitate or have to think for a while. He responded quickly. He said, no, he's coming to take me, poor, guilty, worthless, hell-deserving me. He's coming to take me to himself holding forth the word of life. Another man, right towards the end, right at the end of his life, said again to George Mueller, he got tested on this, must have been ready for that answer. He said, when George Mueller, when God calls George Mueller home, it will be like a ship going into harbor in full sail. Oh no, George responded, it is poor George Mueller who needs to pray daily, uphold my goings that my feet slip not. If we lose this message, we're just running. Repentance, remission of sins. In Jesus' name. Yeah, she needs that. She really needs... um, She really needs that. He really needs that. This has nothing to do with the he or the she in here. This has to do with me and it has to do with you. Am I holding up the message? Repentance, remission of sin is found in Jesus Christ. This isn't for your wife. This isn't for your husband. This isn't for your child. This isn't for your grandpa. This is for us personally. Am I holding up that message that Jesus left us? His, one of his last words in Luke 24. All of us need healing. When we belong to a church who is willing to promote this type of message, repentance and remission is found in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be ashamed of making your mistake. Do we desire perfection? Absolutely. But you're still human and so am I. So there is issues that we need to face and we need to own. And there's healing in a group that is willing to embrace this. Like like James says, 
There is so much abuse and pain in this sin-cursed world that, that this sin-cursed world inflicts on us. There is so much abuse and pain that others inflict on us. And there's, believe it or not, so much abuse and pain that we inflict on others. And there's no one here exempt. Sometimes we hurt by silence. Sometimes we hurt by what we say. And I know you can look at me and say, well, probably not because of your silence, right? Some of us, it's going to be most of the times by what we say. You should have kept your mouth shut. Others hurt by silence. Why don't you speak up with the opportunity? Why don't you give a compliment? Why don't you bless someone? We hurt people. I don't care how well you think you're doing. You hurt people. And you've been hurt by people. The fact is we all need healing for the wounds of relationship. And here's the fact. You find healing for hurts by confessing their faults. Confessing because they hurt you. Confessing your faults one to another and praying for one another that you can be healed. I find that amazing. But, you know, I find this in my own life. The more I get angry at others, at their failures, the less I confess, the less I find remission for my own failures. Because it's all about them. And if they would just straighten out, you know, we'd all be in green pasture. And the more I'm angry at others, the less I am real with God. The less I confess and say, no, forget all the other garbage, all right? I have sinned and I need your prayers. Friends, we have a message that changes lives and can change this world. I don't care what background people are from, no matter what country they're from, no matter what language they speak. There's a message that we have that repentance and remission of sins can be found in Jesus Christ. They can't just hear us say it. They have to see it in us as an example. Truly, it's not just a positive mental attitude that has made that person into what they are. It is the power of Jesus Christ in their connection with Him. Sometimes we're guilty of promoting the perception of perfection. Last night, my little boy confessed to me some childish wrong. Kneeling at my knee, he prayed, Make me like Daddy, wise and strong. Then while he slept, I knelt by his bed, confessed my sins and prayed with low-bowed head, Make me like my son, pure and sincere. If pure and sincere isn't our foundation, it doesn't matter how far I run or how well I run or how fast I run. It doesn't matter if I'm saying, well, I'm running better than them or where I'm at in comparison with anybody else or any other kind of church. It absolutely does not matter. If pure and sincere isn't the foundation of our life, we don't have a message. Well, yeah, but I look wise and strong. I can run. I've been taught how to run. I would like us to consider this. Has the disappointment of our outreach in Mennonite circles in the last century been the result of a reputation that promotes the perception of our perfection? 
Just want you to consider. Do people hear you confess? Do people hear you say, I'm so glad I found remission for my sins? Not 25 years ago. We realize we're human today and this week and last week and last month. And that message is a life-changing message. We don't have to be embarrassed of that message. The early Anabaptists were known as being incredibly effective in outreach. As I understand, as I read history books, and I understand history, they can romanticize it and whatever all, but as I understand different books, the early Anabaptists was incredibly effective in outreach. Incredibly effective. I would say one of the most successful outreach groups since the apostles. I mean, they were extremely effective. And you know, another name for the Anabaptists were the confessors, as I understand it. They call them the repenters or confessors. Hey, can you pray for me? I need forgiveness for getting angry at my son, and I, that's not right, that's sin. And I got something to say, can you pray for me? And here they went around. And you know, people would come and they'd say, I need this. And people come into the settings, so many churches, and they get this promoted perception of their perfection, and they say, I could never do this. <laughs> I could never do that. I, I wasn't taught to run like that from since I was one year old. Well, I, I'm just asking us to consider. It's a personal obligation. I can't come and say, well, you know, if Tom would share, then I'll share. But if he doesn't share, you know, it's a personal obligation. Am I willing to hold forth the word of life? The word of life, that word that brings life to people and hope to people. During a service where Chief Lapazinzo was in Wyalusing, Pennsylvania, after the sermon, a fellow blurted out these words, Alas, what a wretch am I! You know, after the service, you know, you're supposed to be quiet and respectful and, I mean, don't just spill everything. And, hey, I understand there's places to confess things and some things may not be as quite of appropriate. But I wonder if those words would ever come out of our lips. Alas, what a wretch am I. Well, if I'm just quiet and work at things, then maybe others can perceive me as a little bit better than that. And maybe they can be encouraged by that or challenged because I'm, you know, they can perceive me as above them or something. That doesn't work. That'd be nice if that would work. Philippians 2.16 Holding forth the word of life. That I may rejoice. And uh, that's going to be quite a day of rejoicing. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul is saying that we can run this race with enthusiasm and zeal and we can run it like a marathon. We don't have a message. If somebody says, what are you saying, Philippides? You say, huh, not sure how to say this. You know, I just... Because we have a message, the word of life, repentance, remission of sins in the name of Jesus Christ brings life to whoever, wherever, however, whenever. Praise the Lord for that. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer?
Father in heaven, I'm thankful for your word this morning. Lord, forgive me, forgive us for times when we, by silence or by careful words, we promoted the idea of our perfection rather than helping people understand it's all about Jesus Christ and the hope that we can have and the joy that we can have because he forgives sins. And Lord, we love you for that and we thank you for that this morning. Lord, help us not to just be running a marathon. Help us to be running with a message for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.